0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Rex P. Cado about how COVID-19 exposed the differences between leaders and managers. welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you. I'm excited to have this conversation with you today. Uh, You bring with you a lot of background and expertise, in some ways somewhat similar to mine, Uh, and so I think it'll be a really enjoyable conversation. As I share your bio in a moment, uh, I think listeners will start to see some of the connections between your background and and areas of focus and, and what I do as well and what they've learned about me over time. Uh, today, we're going to be focusing on how COVID-19 exposed the differences between leaders and managers. This has been a really rough year um, in a lot of ways, not just the pandemic, but the the uh, layered social unrest and political strife and all these different things that people have been dealing with. And it's been a real challenge. And this is, you know, I think challenge is the, the opportunity to shine a spotlight on leaders and to see what they're really made of. And COVID-19 and the pandemic um, context has certainly done that. And so I think we'll have a really lively discussion around uh, the difference between managers and leaders and, and how we can mark that difference given this current context that we're in. As we get started, I wanted to share Rex's bio with everybody. Rex Gatto is founder and president of Gatto Associates Dr. Gatto's practice has been dedicated to helping people in the workplace to enhance productivity through a better understanding of themselves. He's done extensive research in the areas of individual working, thinking, personality, leadership, teamwork, and communication styles, and their impact on working environments. As a behavioral scientist and counselor, he has devoted his energies to helping and coaching all levels of business people, CEOs, vice presidents, managers, and professionals to have an enriched work life. In particular, he has coached many hospital presidents, vice presidents, operations, finance, department chairs, and chiefs. Dr. Gatto consults on matters of organizational effectiveness, conducts face-to-face and virtual programs, and also conducts one-on-one and team coaching. He was the 2013 recipient of the Distinguished Service Award from the Pennsylvania Psychological Association. Uh, That's incredible. Uh, What a wonderful background. I love... um, the work that you do. And thanks again for joining me on the episode today. Is there anything else you would like to share by way of background or personal context with listeners before we dive on in?
1: Well, maybe the most important, uh, father of two kids, husband of a, a professor of English who checks everything that I write, and the most important, grandfather with uh, one granddaughter. So those are the important parts, John.
0: Oh, that is that is wonderful. That Those are the most important parts. Um, uh, I aspire to being a grandfather someday. I'm not quite there yet, but, uh, we'll be there sooner than I know. And I, I was actually reflecting with my wife the other day, my oldest daughter is 17. And we were just thinking about how little time left we have with her before she goes off into the world. And that's a rather sad thing uh, for us to think about. I, I suspect that that's, that's, uh, something that every parent goes through.
1: That is a true statement.
0: But the reward is hopefully someday we might have some grandkids (laughs) as as our kids grow up.
1: Yes, which is a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, excellent. Excellent. And so your your background in, uh, well, maybe you can start by telling us a little bit more about your academic background uh, and how you got into more consulting and coaching work. And then we can dive on into our our focus uh, for the conversation today.
1: My background starts in education and uh, continued in education, and then from a master's in education, went for a master's in counseling psychology, and then for the Ph.D. at the University of Pittsburgh, was really a bridge between education and psychology. I was very lucky to have some mentors who helped me understand how we can translate what we do in the, the educational arena to the workplace arena. One of the things that I like to say is that society replicates itself in the workplace and the workplace replicates itself in society. And we're seeing a lot of that being played out via the stress of society, the stress within the workplace, the stress within homes, because the kids are, are working uh, remotely And all of this is impacting us in a different way. I found that to be extremely rewarding is going into the workplace and identifying key issues. Number one, successes of people, what they are doing right, and then helping them to develop some of the skills that they may want to enhance. I I found that that was rewarding because every day is so consistently different. who planned for this pandemic three years ago? Uh, and the answer is uh, there were some probably virologists who who said, hey, maybe. But we need to, to look at life as a very fluid and dynamic arena. And that's why I like the workplace.
0: Yeah, agreed. Uh, I, I think it's, it's a tremendous opportunity to, to um, p- put the the conceptual, the abstract um, that we see sometimes in academia and really apply it more directly in practical ways into the practitioner spaces uh, in the workplace and such. And I, I think we need to do more of that work. And pretty much every organization has challenges, um, even, even the best, you know, the, the ones that we put forward as the examples, the exemplars and star uh, organizations. They still have to deal with communication challenges and interpersonal dynamics, and they still have to to deal with impost you know leaders who have imposter syndrome, and you know we could run down the list of all these things that it's just part of the human condition that you know when you get groups of people together uh, within an organizational context, you know uh, things can be messy and difficult. And I think first we embrace the messiness and the complexity, and we just say, hey, th- this is what it is. Um, we don't need to, to uh, you know, lose our minds about it or feel like the the sky is falling uh, just because we're dealing with a workplace challenge. Uh, but when we can recognize it and we can name it, then we can actually start moving forward and putting, um, you know, systems, processes, policies, and practices in place to to make for a more healthy workplace environment. And then we can start to zoom in on those specific interpersonal issues and challenges and those sorts of things. Uh, so the work that you do is super important. And I, I'm sure a- everyone listening, you know, plays similar types of roles in one way or another, um, whether they're in a leadership role within an organization or consultants who listen and, and are trying to do the same types of things. I, ultimately, um, the bottom line is we want to make a difference. We want to make an impact in the world. And one of the best ways to do that is through trying to enhance the experience of people in the workplace uh, you know, because we spend at least a third of our life at work, Very um, true. at least half of our waking life at work. So uh, it, it's it's important that we learn how to maximize our opportunities and our potential within that sphere of, of uh, involvement and opportunity.
1: John, the interesting fact about the workplace is a lot of our skill sets are translated from the family. We learn how to resolve conflict in the family. We learn how to be comfortable with ourselves in family. We learn to lead, make decisions, uh, to resolve conflicts. All of those come from how we grew up, our family system. What happens is we learn to resolve conflict in the family, and then we translate that to the workplace. In many cases, there isn't a sophistication to that. The one thing that I think separates when we talk about managers and leaders, the idea of confidence. I graduated some 30 years ago, and I knew the word confidence, but how it has played out over the last 30 years within the workplace is extremely different. Leaders who have confidence, I will call it quiet confidence not arrogance, but quiet confidence, the ability to express, to bring people along, to realize that part of being a leader is that of a coach mentor and that I'm comfortable with myself. I don't have to be arrogant. I don't have to blame, but I can work with others. It's a contextual workplace. It's an interactive workplace. And and the more comfortable we are with ourselves, the more we can do that. That's why I say a lot of the skills that we learn in the family are translated to the workplace. And and we need people to bring that out. Uh, Another major factor of what goes on in the workplace is the ability to give feedback. And I'm ever amazed people think giving feedback is, let me tell you what's wrong instead of quietly saying, I've observed this, I think you do this very well. Here's a point of enhancement or an alternative you might think of. John, that's something we could we could really delve into in, in our discussion today, when we talk about the difference between leaders and managers.
0: Yeah, those are all excellent points. And, and I think ultimately, it's worth starting with kind of how you define managers versus leaders Um, because, and I agree, I think there's a, a fundamental difference between those two groupings. Um and Certainly you can see it as a Venn diagram and there's overlap as well, but there's some fundamental differences. And, uh and then also, you know, h- how the pandemic has helped to shine a light on, on individuals. But before we go there, uh, I just wanted to, to comment on on how you were framing this quiet confidence. Yes. Um, Absolutely. I love the idea of quiet confidence. Sometimes I, I talk about it in terms of confident calm as a leader, like you, you have pressures and you have all these forces all around you. And you want someone who can be genuine and authentic, but also unflappable in the face of challenge, right? Because sure. they have to also be there to support their people who are also dealing with challenges and difficulties. Um, what we're not talking about when we say the word confidence is the machismo leader, kind of the stereotypical person who, you know, who projects, you know, this kind of faux confidence, um, you know, in a a kind of a power grab and and trying to assert their power and influence and authority over other people. Um, That is something totally different. And I do call that faux confidence because I think most of those people who project that way are actually pretty insecure individuals. Um, they actually don't have a whole lot of personal confidence. That's why they have to, you know, beat their own chest and and act like they're they're big and strong. And and often they they treat people and belittle people and, and condescend to people, you um, know, in, in an effort to try to make themselves feel bigger and more powerful. That's not at all what we want to focus on. As we're talking about, you know, management versus leadership. And and I am a big believer in the idea of servant leadership, which at its core uh, brings with it, this idea that we we have intellectual and interpersonal humility, and we recognize, you know, we, we are in a position for a reason. We probably are very capable people, um, intelligent individuals who have the ability to, to lead and to, to help our people grow. But that doesn't mean we have all the answers. That doesn't mean, um, you know, that we're going to try to micromanage people and get them to do every last little thing we, we want them to do or do it our way. Uh, that's, that's something entirely different. And, some, you know, that's an approach that just usually doesn't work. So we're focusing on the confident confidence or the, uh, the quiet confidence, the, the confident calm, I think is a really great way to frame that. Now, with that said, let's, let's talk about management versus leadership. How do you frame that in your own mind?
1: Uh, I'd like to to really have everybody stop for a second and really think about the need for a manager and the need for a leader. Manager focuses on the past to the present and a manager's job is to look at resources and budget and scheduling and manufacturing and or product and or service and get work out. It is very concrete. It is hands-on. The leader is in the present to the future and the leader helps us to understand the future and where we want to go. A leader understands three major points where we are now, what we are doing very well, what we could enhance and or develop and what we need to eliminate or stop. Uh, I think one of the most important things that a leader does is put every product and service that is offered in that organization on trial for its life. It's a construct from Peter Drucker in, in his, uh, one of his last books, and it always stuck with me. Put every product and every service on trial for its life and to see if it's something that you want to move forward with, and that's what leaders do. There's also a major word, hope. Leaders give hope, they inspire people, they have a, a, an ability to get people to want to struggle together to move forward to that new future. You also mentioned the word influence. I'd like to define influence. Influence is having the ability to say things in such a way that people adopt those ideas. They adopt the ideas. And an easy way for people to realize that is people adopt the religion. They adopt it. It is something that they choose. A leader who is inspirational helps people to make the right choices, and offers them an ability of hope. And people are inspired by those influential leaders to move together in the future. I like the phrase, wanting to struggle together in a very humane way, helping people to understand what we can do to have a better future. So managers focus on the past to the present. They want to work there is a need for managers. Leaders have a foot in the present, understand all that's going on in the present. The successes, areas for development, but they help to move forward to a new future. They define a future. John, one thing, as I listen to the news on a day-to-day basis, if you want to get my vein to stick out a little bit, put people on the national notes who present tactics, but never, ever present goals. They present tactics. They present actions. They present opinions. But they don't present a common goal. They don't say, this is an area in which we agree. That's what leaders do. Leaders will listen to diverse opinion and then say, but here is an area in which we agree. Let's build on that. We have people that focus on the low level of management that give opinion, that say, these are actions that we should take, but they don't help us to focus on goals. That's what leaders do. And I wanna go back to one sentence. Leaders give us hope for the future.
0: organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Yeah, I I agree with those framings of managers versus leaders and I, I guess as I'm listening to that, I, I can't help but reflect on my own experience with sure. people in leadership positions in organizations where they, you know, formal leadership, structural leadership positions, but they're not really leaders. They're just, they're just managers, right? Um, they perform as managers and it's really to, I mean, manager- managerial they- responsibilities will exist and they need to be able to do those and do those well. But there's so much more that they should be doing. uh, And the most competent and capable and effective of those institutional leaders do the leadership stuff very well, not just the managerial stuff. Um, And and unfortunately, I would say there's even people that are in executive ranks uh, at many organizations that don't really have a whole lot of leadership skill. Uh, They've, they've, been quite exceptional throughout their career in tactical areas. And so they've been promoted and, and moved their way up, but but they don't actually, they never actually learned how to effectively lead and influence those around them. And so I, I think it's just really essential that we recognize the difference and that we help those who are very effective managers. That we help provide development opportunities so they can grow into their leadership capabilities. Otherwise, they're only going to be like living half of their professional life in their roles.
1: That's very true. To your point, there are executives in leadership positions who are managers. They're managing organizations. They're not leading organizations, and. That's a very good point. Uh, I'd emphasize that and say, uh, as you said, that that's an excellent point. And it's very, very true. Ask yourself this also. If this was a, uh, a war, would you follow your leaders into battle? Do you have the confidence in those leaders to lead? Leaders need to lead. One of the aspects of leadership that's so extremely important is followership. And how do leaders develop followers? And do they listen to followers? Do they get input and involve followers? Do they help the followers understand their role? The role of the follower is actually to be someone who can give the leader information and input. If you also want to separate managers and leaders, effective leaders take the time to involve followers and collect input from followers, and they listen, and they understand from the listener's point of view. They understand from the follower's point of view of what's going on. It's a good way to keep their finger on the pulse within any organization. You know, it is said that Lee Iacocca walked the line. He knew the names of people on the line. Jack Welsh used to go out to all the different sites. Now, I'm not telling you any leader's perfect, I'm not. But the involvement by Leah Coca or Jack Welsh or, or Walmart, Sam Walton would fly in, he would fly in and stand up and do the cheer. We have people today in leadership positions who are not taking the time to listen. To be honest, John, We do not need another leader to tell us. We need a leader to listen, to help us to understand our commonalities, our forms of agreement. They can accept feedback because they do have a quiet confidence within themselves that they understand. My own development comes by developing my followers. So I, I, I'll put that out there as well. I think it's very important that leaders are able to receive feedback from others and accept it, not, not get angry, but accept feedback as a developmental process. Therefore, that leader is a role model for others. And I think a leader is a role model that people look at. You know, one of my dis- Disappointments, and, and I'll bet you you could say something similar, John, is that all of my professors and my, my clinical supervisors, when I was going through a um, process of being a, a, a cognitive behavioral psychotherapist, they were mentors to me. And, and one of the things that, that I regret is I didn't go back and tell them the impact that they had on me. Leaders have an impact, they're role models. And people look up to them and say, I want to emulate, I want to be like them. So I'll I'll pose that to you, John, because I'm sure you have a similar experience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They're they're, they're people who walk the walk. They're not just talking the talk. They do listen and they show genuine concern and empathy towards their people uh, in helping to develop their people. I, I think everything you said is absolutely right and I, And I think that connects back to really this pandemic moment that we've been in so how how do you see the pandemic really shining a light on and and, and uh focusing in on those who have been more you know managers versus those who have had more leadership uh, in how they've interacted with their people and and what can we learn from this
1: first, let's translate pandemic into crisis. Three- organization has had crisis, but we talk about uh, the pandemic as a crisis. In this case, it was regardless of money, regardless of training and background, regardless of your workplace, regardless of what education your children are going through, this has impacted us across the board. Rich, poor, didn't matter. The pandemic has hit us straight leaders were capable of saying the difficulty, they defined the crisis of the pandemic, they helped us to move forward. The physician scientists and the scientists helped us in many, many ways to understand the do's and don'ts. The true leaders focused on, this is what we need to do to overcome this pandemic overcome the pandemic. And yet we know we're moving up to 600,000 people who have perished. What a sad tragedy, sad tragedy. And then of course, we also have tragedies because of gun violence, but that's not our topic. But the pandemic is a crisis and leaders helped us to move forward. Leaders said, this is what we do. This and these actions help us to overcome this crisis. They outlined it. They told us that it was urgent. They said that this is very important for us to do. Unfortunately, taking away from the leaders were naysayers, the negativists, and leaders have to deal with negativists. They have to listen to them, and they have to overcome and to move forward. Leaders are knowledgeable of the present and keep giving us hope for the future. Leaders help us to understand three key points. Where are we now in the pandemic? Where do we want to be in the pandemic? And these are the things that we will look for by way of metrics to see that we've overcome the pandemic and then help us to put the actions to bridge where we are to where we want to go to overcome the pandemic. There are people who have laid that out. Uh, you know, Dr. Fauci, to the best that he could, has laid that out, that process. There are other physicians who were on the daily news who have laid that out. Unfortunately, we've also had some national leaders who have been naysayers, and they have caused disruption as opposed to helping us through leadership to move toward a better future. I just wish we had leaders on the national level who would focus more on what we agree on rather than giving opinions. So those maybe a few more points, John,
0: please. Yeah, yeah. And certainly uh, from a societal point of view and looking at the national level leadership and political leadership, I think we see lots of examples of this during the pandemic. We also just see lots of examples of this within organizations, as CEOs uh, all the way down through middle management down to, to the line level employees within organizations were forced in many cases, you know, overnight to, to move to virtual work and to figure out how they can continue to, you know, pay the bills and, and, and make payroll and you still provide their products and services, even under lockdown conditions. And that, you know, that crisis situation, that's, that's really, really tough. I have seen it firsthand. Um Myself, and and I know so many, you know, countless leaders throughout the country and throughout the world during this past year have really just had to go through that wrestle. What I see is one of the biggest differences between those who are managing the situation versus those who are leading within this context, within the situation, uh, comes back to what you said a little bit ago. And that is leaders that are able to show a hopeful way forward, who are willing to listen, and then excuse me, provide genuine support and empathy and, and be empathetic towards their people who are struggling. So you have employees that are working from home while, along with their spouse and their kids doing schooling at home. That is an incredibly difficult situation. Uh, all while the, the, uh, the organization itself is dealing with turmoil and trying to figure out uh, how to move forward. The, the best leaders um, were up to the challenge. And unfortunately, though, many who never really took on that leadership mantle, and they were really just more of managers, they didn't know how to respond in that moment. And, and as such, you know, they, they weren't up to the challenge, and, and things didn't go so well for those organizations. And it's, it is sad that many organizations had to lay off lots of people, many organizations had to close their doors, um, and that's not necessarily 100% due to, you know, lack of leadership, but i would i suggest i would suggest and, and suspect that in many cases you know that was part of what was at play is is people that are well-intentioned well-meaning managers that just don't really have the leadership skills and so i think from all of this we need to learn some lessons whether we come upon another pandemic in the near future or not i don't know that's anyone's guess but disruption is the is the name of the game and and crisis is going to come in one form or another. And so if we want to be ready for whatever the next crisis is, or whatever the next disruption is, then we need to be preparing now, not just you know in terms of the processes in our organization or the strategies. Uh, those are all important discussions to have, but also developing ourselves. So we're up to the leadership challenge when we find ourselves in those situations.
1: I think all of that's true. I want to add Something here as well. And that is that leaders are creative problem solvers. They're not stuck in the present. They're not just talking about this is what's confronting us, this is what we have to do, and here's my opinion. They're creative problem solvers helping us to understand alternatives. They expand people's thinking. You know, people say to me, Oh, Rex, you're, you're in mental health. You know, you're a counselor, you're a psychologist, you're a psychotherapist, you're a shrink. And I always say to people, Our job is not that of a shrink my job and your job is that we are expanders if people are listening to this i hope they are expanding their thinking their personal viewpoints and are having reflection what is a leader for me we we use terms such as religious leader political leader organizational leader community leader coach leader professional sports leader we, we use that term leader, but in some ways, it's an innocuous term. Go back and, and ask yourself, have I expanded my thoughts about this idea of leadership? Who inspires me to do more than I actually believed I could do, coached and mentored me? That's something to say, has this person inspired you to do things you didn't believe you could do? Has this person given you a hopeful future? Has this person helped you to believe in yourself? Is this person a role model? Because if you start asking those questions and expand your thinking about what a leader is, then you're saying, yes, I've expanded my thoughts. I have a hopeful future. This person is a role model. I want to emulate what this person does, how this person handles crisis, how this person handles personal attack. How do we do that? Those role models that are out there, we need to celebrate. You mentioned uh, Greenleaf earlier in terms of of, uh, servant leadership. And Greenleaf wrote the book on servant leadership. And then it is up to several authors to define what he meant by it. But the truth is, what he was talking about is the ability to give It's not, I'm the leader so you are to serve me. His point was, I am the leader and my job is to serve you. One of the aspects that I'd like to put out there is leaders help to develop a community every day in the workplace. That's what servant leaders do. They're transparent in communication, they're caring, they're nurturing, they're inspirational, they're humanistic but they also help people to build a community each and every day within the workplace. So I I, uh, pose that uh, to you too, John. I mean, what are your thoughts in in terms of what, what I just said, especially around the creative problem solver? Love your comment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Leaders need, you know, effective leaders, they need to constantly be scanning the environment and trying to understand the lay of the land, not just, For the sake of the present, but to start to think towards the future, and to recognize the gaps and the challenges, and to to take the creative problem solving approach and a systems thinking approach and a design thinking um, approach to uh, addressing those gaps, uh, ultimately to lead us into a better future for everybody. Uh, And I think that's what we've seen this past year during the pandemic, and organizations that have handled it well, um, and in, in in some cases, community, political, uh, religious leaders who have handled it well. And we've, but in contrast, we've seen many, many examples of people who haven't handled it well. Uh, And I guess moving forward, um, you know, as we close out this episode, I would love for everyone listening to just think about their own roles within their organizations. You know, think about what you do each and every day. How much of it is managerial types of competencies competencies and skills? How much of it is leadership oriented in mm-hmm. the ways that we've been defining it? And uh, think about that balance and think about what your priorities are or what you would like them to be. And then uh, consider ways to recalibrate that might put you in a better situation to, to be prepared for. Uh, and ready to respond to future crises and the challenges, you know, the ongoing challenges that we're all going to face. Well, Rex, it has been a real pleasure talking with you today. The time has flown by. Um, I I do want to be respectful of your time, and I know we'll need to close here in a moment. But before we finish the episode, I did want to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, uh, find out more about uh, any of the current work you're doing, and then give us the last word on the topic for today.
1: Sure. Uh, people can go to our website www.rexgatto.com, or they can go to LinkedIn. And on the website are numerous articles, uh, studies, uh, if people want to download. There are a lot of articles on leadership, and stress of the day, resolving conflict, and and uh, of some of the other areas that that we consult in. Uh, to put closure to this leaders help us to move beyond the present leaders help us to understand what we are going through that it's not a disaster that there is a hopeful future and give us a step-by-step process of moving from where we are to where we can be and fill us with hope and aspiration and inspire us to move on and I hope that people are realizing. Leadership can be viewed, seen, developed, and performed on any level, any level. Anyone in the workplace can emerge as a leader. It's not a title. It's helping us to have that better future and and to move forward as you and I spoke about today. And, uh, John, I'd like to thank you for the opportunity to to meet you and also to share ideas. And you were right when you said in the beginning, our backgrounds and ideas are very similar. And I concur with that now, for sure.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you, Rex. It has been a real pleasure having this conversation with you today. You're welcome back on the podcast anytime. And I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected with Rex, find out more about his company and, and what they can do for you. designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.